The Holy Gospel according to St. John from the seventh chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. John, chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you please pray with me now? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. From Acts 2.21. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the name of Jesus, amen. What's in a name? And a son is given for you is the title. Names are important. Adam, Adam named the animals, and parents carefully choose a name for their children. And little children even name their stuffed animals. But there is no more important name than the Lord's name. Yes, even God has a name. He is I Am. He is Yahweh. God reveals his personal name to Moses and Israel in Exodus. He says, say this to the people of Israel, I Am has sent me to you. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. And along with God's personal name came his promise to redeem and to rescue Israel from slavery. To call on the name of the Lord is to call upon him as Savior. Now, we hear the same good news from the angel. When the angel said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Jesus' name means Yahweh saves. Jesus' name reveals who he is and what he came to do for us. And once again, God becomes personal 
for us. The name above all names takes a human name and becomes man for you. The Lord who spoke to Moses in the burning bush is the Word who became flesh to dwell, to die, and to rise among us and for us. The name at which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess he places the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit upon you in baptism. The name of Jesus saves you. He saves you by water and by the Spirit. The name of Jesus saves you as you hear holy absolution pronounced in his name The name of Jesus saves you as you receive the true body, the true blood of Yahweh saves. That happens in Holy Communion. The name of Jesus saves you as he speaks to you by his word in the burning bush of his gospel. We still have that burning bush. It's in his word, the gospel given to you. Jesus is the name by which we are saved. Amen? Amen. From our book of worship, there's a hymn at the name of Jesus. And hymns really are just little Small bits of the gospel delivered to you through song, through beautiful music. At the name of Jesus says, At the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue confess him king of glory now. Tis the Father's pleasure we should call him Lord, who from the beginning was the mighty word. So the name above all names, assures his disciples that he will not leave them alone, that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, is being sent by the Father in the name of the Son. We heard that a few weeks ago at his ascension. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's John chapter 14, verse 26. Now about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit really is the busy, silent partner of the Holy Trinity. His job is to bring to your remembrance. That's his job. To bring to your remembrance everything that our Lord has said. Now, unlike what many people seem to think, incorrectly, the Holy Spirit is not up there somewhere um, dribbling out upon you and me God's blessing upon those who are worthy enough to receive it. 
That's not how he works, and we know that. No, the Holy Spirit was sent. He was sent to teach and to bring to remembrance all that our Lord Christ Jesus has said. Now, what should we remember? What should we be taught? Well, this is exactly what the gathered multitudes in Jerusalem heard on that Pentecost day. They heard that salvation comes at a price. There is no free lunch. They heard that because of their and our sin, Jesus of Nazareth was put to death. And through the shedding of his blood, the Parthians, the Cretans, the Arabians, and Americans, even Dodger fans, were washed clean. The multitudes gathered together from all those nations, and they were taught that it was their guilt that brought about the death of Jesus. Yet, Christ crucified was the demonstration of God's love. His love is. His love was so great that he accepted this one death as if it were there and our own. Now, every time we gather together and hear the word of God proclaimed, that is Christ and him crucified, it is another opportunity to receive all that Christ Jesus did for us. And what wonderful things he did. He brought us back to life again in his death and resurrection. He made us God's children in our baptism, and he sustains and strengthens us each week in his proclaimed word and in his holy body and blood. Each week he gives us good gifts. The Holy Spirit brings this all to our remembrance. So we never forget what our gracious God and Lord has done and continues to do for us. Bow your heads and let's pray for a moment. Oh God, our merciful Father, who taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them the light of your Holy Spirit, bring us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy comfort through Jesus Christ our Lord, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. Here's, here's another way to look at this day we celebrate. You could say, hey, Ed, the waiting is finally over. Yeah, good, amen. The big day is here, Jeff. 
It is. We've been counting down the days from Easter until today. 50 days of rejoicing Jesus' resurrection. Seven days, seven weeks, plus one day for eternity, that makes 50. 50 makes Pentecost. Now, Jesus' promise to die and rise, it's come true. And now the Holy Spirit comes just as he promised. You can see why many have called the Pentecost the birthday of the church. There was waiting. There was expectation. There was rejoicing. And of course, there's gifts. It's all there to mark this occasion. So what kind of gifts does the Holy Spirit bring to the Pentecost festival? Well, to use the words of my children, it's not uh, lame party favors or cake or games. Uh, It's not gummy tongues of fire or a holy smoke barbecue lighter. No. This is what he brings. He brings doctrine. The Holy Spirit brings teaching. The Holy Spirit brings God's word. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Jesus' words of assurance. The disciples heard Jesus' teaching. They saw the healing, the healing signs and and the miracles. They witnessed his transfiguration, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus promised, he promised that the Holy Spirit would be with them as they proclaimed all these things with their own lips and their own quills. The Holy Spirit was sent to preserve Jesus' word for the church. Then and now, Jesus taught. The disciples witnessed and wrote. And we, we received the gift of Jesus' word. Now, like the disciples before us, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus' word. The Holy Spirit is there in your baptism. He's being poured out upon you in the water and the word, giving you a new birth from above in Christ. It is your baptism is your very own Pentecost. And remember your baptism every day. You're walking wet. You weren't baptized. You are baptized. So you got a Pentecost every day. The Holy Spirit, there is, he is there in absolution as a life-giving forgiveness is breathed into your ears. The Father forgives you all of your sins for his sake. And your pastor, an ordained servant of God, and by his authority now, 
declares your forgiveness in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit breathes forgiveness into your ears. And the Holy Spirit is there, right there in in the Lord's Supper. He's giving you faith in Jesus' word. In the words that is, this is my body. This is my blood for you. This is a happy Pentecost day. Okay, I promise. I'm bringing it home now. We're almost there. The prayer that Jesus gave to us, a perfect prayer. You've heard me say that, yes? The small catechism reads this. With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true father and that we are his true children. So that with all boldness and confidence, we may ask him as dear children as their dear father. Our father who art in heaven. These are truly remarkable words. When Jesus instructs us to pray the Lord's Prayer, he gives us words of honor, of blessing, and of grace. With these words, Jesus places us in the undeserved position of praying to God the Father as he himself prays to him as a son. That's a beautiful exchange. Jesus does not treat us. He does not treat us as we or our sins deserve. He, he takes the lower seat and he moves us up next to the Father's right hand. He becomes the last one so that by his lowly death, a death on that cross, we, who were last, might be made first. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, is born of the Virgin Mary for you who were a child of Adam's death and destruction. Your adoption papers, the ones that you've been given the power to be called a child of God, Your adoption papers into God's kingdom are signed in the blood of the Lamb and sealed by the waters of your holy baptism. Sealed by the Spirit. Paul writes to the Romans, For you receive the Spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father, That's Romans 8, verse 15. So, whether you come from a home where mom and dad, they got along or get along most days, or if you come from a broken home where mom and dad are no longer together, or a home without a father, or even a even a home with an abusive father. 
There is comfort in this fact. You have a perfect heavenly father. A father who promises to hear your prayers because Jesus, the son, is constantly, always speaking to him on your behalf. You have a heavenly father who gives you earthly fathers and other family and friends to care for and to watch over you. God also gives you fathers in the Christian faith. Those are pastors who are instructed by Jesus to teach you to pray, to instruct you in the scriptures, to have you remember your baptism, and who lead you to holy communion. So, rejoice. Your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father loves you in Jesus. Your heavenly Father hears you for Jesus' sake. And your heavenly Father delights in you. He delights in you his dear child. In the name of Jesus, amen.